this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated as we prepare to hear the Word of God. We're continuing in our sermon series in the Westminster Shorter Catechism in the afternoons. And we have a very, um, today we have a very uh, simple, very uncomplicated task. We're going to look at what is required in the fourth commandment. Let's begin by confessing together the answer to question 57. And uh, then we'll look at the question we're doing this week. This is the one we did last week. Question 57. Confess this, the answer together. Which is the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment is, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So last week we looked at that, just the commandment itself, And there was a lot to look at because we did an overview of the whole commandment. We looked at the fact that it is to be observed, what we're looking at more in more detail today. We looked at how it was instituted and we looked at why it was instituted. We looked at how the day is to be kept holy and what that means and how the day is to be, how the day to be observed was changed from the seventh day to the first day. We looked at the whole matter in a broad and general way, and I told you that in the weeks to come we would look at those particular things in more detail. So today we're going to be quite focused. Question 58 asks us what is required in the fourth commandment. Let's confess the answer then to question 58. What is required in the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment, requireth the keeping holy to God such set times as he has appointed in his word, expressly one whole day in seven to be a holy Sabbath to himself. Now there are other questions on the fourth commandment that speak about how we are to keep the the, the day holy and about which day and what we're permitted and not permitted to do and why we ought to observe the day. And again, we will look at those in future sermons. But today, simply at observing it, what it is to observe it, to remember the Sabbath day. That's what it says. For our scripture reading, besides the reading of the commandment itself that we've already had and also confessed, I have chosen Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, where we're admonished to continue the holy convocation, the public assembly that is part of observing the Sabbath. I might mention to you that this was appointed all the way back in Leviticus. And of course, it was on the seventh day of the week then, but that in all their dwellings, they were to have a holy convocation, a calling together of the people by God to worship him, that they might call upon him together. And uh, that continues, of course, in the New Testament now on the first day of the week, that we keep the, the day in part by our gathering. So listen as I read to you, remembering that this is God's holy word 
and so it is to be received as absolutely authoritative. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now let me pause here for a minute. Of course, God is present everywhere, but he is especially present, we might say, in the assembly of his people when we come together. And it talks about coming before him, coming to the holy place that we're able to do only because of what Jesus has done. He is our mediator and he stands before God in our behalf with the atonement that he made, the sprinkling that that comes from his blood. And therefore, we have been washed with water, the symbol that's given to us of baptism that shows the cleansing that we have by him so that we can come before God in a place where we could never have come without Christ. So it goes on, verse 23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. May the Lord bless to us this reading of his holy word. You can see in the passage how beautifully God arranged everything for us in the Christian assembly. He made it possible for us to enter the holiest, to come before God by the blood of Jesus. We're able to draw near to God as his people because Jesus died for our sins. We can be certain that we're fully pardoned because God has promised and has sealed the promise of cleansing to us by the washing of baptism. Our bodies are washed and we draw near in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. As those having such glorious provision that we may come before God, we're exhorted to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. God has called us to keep the Sabbath day, the Lord's day, holy. And we're not to ignore his call by forsaking the holy convocation, by absenting ourselves from the Christian assembly on the Lord's day. Our primary text is the essential requirement of the fourth commandment. It's verse 8 of Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the thing we're looking at today and zeroing in on. My brothers and sisters, you need to hear this as God's commandment to you. He is saying to you, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. My brothers and sisters, this is for you. Of course, you should keep it holy. If God set apart a day, of course, you should remember it. Of course, you should observe it. He set it apart for his honor when when he made the world. In his honor and glory is the most important thing of all. Creation is a marvelous work that he did. He created us and he created the world for us. And he set apart a day each week for us to honor him as our creator. Of course, we ought to do so. In Genesis 2-3, it tells us plainly that God sanctified the seventh 
day because in it he rested from all the work that he had done, all that he had created and made. He set it apart so that we could honor him and so that we could give thanks to him for all the blessings that we enjoy in this world, the things that he made for us, that we might do this week after week. It is a day for us to give attention to our creator and to worship him as our creator, something that we do not do enough. And we're given then a special day when we can commemorate all that he has done. He has also set it apart for our benefit. Genesis 2-3 also says that he blessed the day, which means that he put a blessing in it for us. I mentioned to you before that when God blesses a thing, it means that he makes it a blessing to us. If he blesses a farmer's field, he causes it to produce a bumper crop. He doesn't bless the field for its own sake. I don't know what the field might want if it had some feelings. What would it want? I don't know if it would care whether it had a bumper crop. But he blesses it to the the farmer and to the, the one who owns it and is using it. If he blesses your building project, he causes your work to proceed smoothly. And as our creator, the Lord knew that we needed a cycle of six days of work and then a day of cessation from work so that we could worship him. He blessed the day for us so that we could have physical rest and so that we could stay spiritually centered by having a day that was for that purpose. He did it to help us maintain a healthy relationship with him. He did it so that we could have a whole day to spend with him, to sit at his feet and to learn of him, to see his works and to thank him for his works. Our maker knew that it was important for us to have a designated day for such things. He knows how we are. He knows that without a designated day for rest and worship, we will never get around to it. We may mean well, but if we don't schedule things, they very often simply don't happen. You know that that's true. If you say to your wife, we need to spend more time together but you don't actually schedule any time together. It's a nice thought, but it's very likely that it will never happen. That's how we would be with worshiping God. So the Lord gave us a weekly day that is sanctified to him, a day that is set apart to him. Think about how important it is to have a designated day for the sake of assembly. Instead of all wanting to gather on different days, we have an appointed time to gather. In a society where the Lord has not given his people dominion, then it's a difficult thing for Christians because like their slaves and others, they may not have a choice. The church sometimes had to meet early in the morning on the Lord's day or late at night for the sake of those who are slaves. But having a designated day is of great benefit to us. And when the day is observed in a whole society or in a congregation, then it's a there's a what a blessing it is. It helps it helps keep God's people spiritually alive. When we do not forget His day, we do not forget Him. God knows what we need, and this is what He has appointed for us. And so, as God did set apart every seventh day as a holy Sabbath. Then I say again, of course, we ought to, remember our principal text, remember the Sabbath day 
to keep it holy. This is what God is telling you to do in the fourth commandment. This is what is required, and you ought to remember it or you dishonor him. It is to our great shame that there even is a fourth commandment. Not that it was shameful that God gave us the Sabbath, not at all, but it was shameful that he had to command us to remember the day that he appointed. We should not need ever needed to be told that to remember the day. Children, you know how it is when someone does something for you and you forget to say thank you and your parents say, "Now, Bobby Sue, say thank you." And and you you feel ashamed and and embarrassed that you didn't say thank you and it's awkward now to say thank you because how does it come across when you had to be told? It doesn't come off as very sincere, does it? And you shouldn't have to be told. It should be something that wells from wells up from your heart. That's the way it is with all of God's commandments. Shame on husbands that they must be told to love their wives and not to be bitter against them. What a what a shameful thing that we would need to be told that. Of course we should love our wives and not be bitter against them. Shame on children that they must be told to honor their parents and to obey them in the Lord. Of course they should. Shame on us that there ever had to be a commandment that we're not to worship other gods or that we're not to kill people. And shame on us that when God set apart a day for himself at creation, that he ever had to come and say, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We should have been observing it all along. Of course we should. Nevertheless, it is a great mercy that our God does tell us to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy when he has redeemed us. He has rescued us from Satan's power and he's brought us back to himself that we might be his people. But instead of expecting us to just know how we ought to live, he knows us better than that, he comes to us with instructions. He comes to us with the commandments that we should already know and have known all along. These moral commandments that are all things that we should know but have failed to observe. Remember what we saw about the Ten Commandments in general. God gave them to his people and he gives them to us after we are redeemed. They certainly did apply to us before we were redeemed. But in his mercy, he gave them to us after we were redeemed. There are things that we should have been doing all along. But now that we are redeemed, he gives them to us because now we have been made his again. And we have him as our God and his spirit is at work in us. He does not give us these commandments to tell us how to be redeemed. But rather, he gives them to us to tell us how we ought to have always lived and especially how we ought to live now that we have been redeemed because he is our God. He's been restored to us. We should be very grateful to him for telling us to remember the Sabbath day. We should not look at it as an imposition. He, he instituted this day for his honor and, his and for our blessing. It's part of his love to us as a people that he has saved. Part of his work of restoring us so that we can live as his children ought to live. He instructs us and guides us in the way. He is giving back to us the relationship that we lost when we fell. Praise be to his name for that. The fact that he tells us to remember the Sabbath day 
ought to stir us up to remember it more than ever. It's a kindness from our loving, gracious, heavenly Father. Now you might expect that as those who have been redeemed and told to remember the Sabbath day, that we certainly would remember it. But sadly, even though the Lord redeems us and tells us to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, we still forget the day. The history of God's redeemed people is a history of forgetting the Sabbath day. If you want to know something that characterizes God's people in pretty much all ages, it is forgetting and perverting the Sabbath day. God goes out of his way to tell us specifically to remember it, and still we forget it. The Lord sharply rebuked Israel for forgetting the Sabbath day. For example, in Ezekiel 20, verse 19 through 21, he says, I am the Lord your God, walk in my statutes, keep my judgments, and do them. Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you that you know that I am the Lord your God. People that don't keep the Sabbath show that they don't know the Lord. Notwithstanding, he says, the children rebelled against me. They did not walk in my statutes and were not careful to observe my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. But they profane my Sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury on them and fulfill my anger against them in the wilderness. He speaks almost as if everything is contained in keeping the Sabbath, that all of our obedience is there. He speaks this way because the neglect of the Sabbath is one of the most visible evidences of our rebellion, and it affects all aspects of our worship. Once we start to drift away from God, one of the first things that goes is the Sabbath. And then other things start to go. It's a mark of of defiance for us to neglect God's holy day, even after he has expressly told us to remember it. We we bristle up against God and we, we neglect and ignore his day. Even after the people were brought back from the exile, a generation had not even passed before they were already neglecting the Sabbath. One of the reasons that they had been sent into exile, as God told them, was for forgetting his Sabbaths. Nehemiah, the godly governor at the time that they were restored, finds them profaning the Sabbath. Profaning means that they treated it as an ordinary day, a common day. They treated it like any other day when it was a holy day. And he says, Nehemiah thirteen seventeen. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah, they were especially responsible, and said to them, What evil thing is this that you do, by which you profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do this, and did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath So it was at the gates of Jerusalem, as it began to be dark before the Sabbath, that I commanded the gates to be shut and charged that they must not be opened till after the Sabbath, so that they weren't doing business and trading and whatnot. He says, and so you see then that God had judged them for not keeping the Sabbath, and now they'd just been restored and already they're profaning the day. And if we speed along in the history of God's redeemed people, 
we find the faithful observance of God's holy day in the early church. Initially, we're told how the disciples gathered to break bread and to hear the word of God preached on the first day of the week. There is not much rebuke for neglect in this matter in the earlier epistles, likely because the new converts were zealous for public worship. They didn't even think of profaning the Sabbath day. They were delighted to gather together. However, by the time that Hebrews is written, we already see signs of neglect beginning to creep in as the Hebrews are reminded in chapter 4 that there is a Sabbath rest that remains for the people of God. And in Hebrews 10, which we read, they're admonished not to forsake the assembling of themselves together. He says, as the manner of some is. They were doing this. Some were already starting to neglect the Lord's day. Throughout the history of the church, there have always been struggles with faithfulness in observing the Christian Sabbath. The persecuted saints are often very faithful, even risking their lives in order to meet with the saints. But in the West... There has been a general faithfulness as well until the last hundred years where there has been a great decline. Like Israel, we have forgotten the day that God set apart in the beginning for his honor. The day that he renewed the, the day that he renewed in Christ when he rose again. And the day which he commanded as his redeemed people to remember when he said, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It seems like it's a very hard thing for his redeemed people to do. Even for those of us who do want to remember it. What do we find in ourselves? We find that we want to fudge. We want to cut corners. Isn't it so? Yes, I know that there are some who are very rigid about the Sabbath and make the day a burden with excessive restrictions and with an attitude of fasting rather than feasting. As we will see when we look at how to observe the day, it is meant to be a feast day of joyful celebration, not a day of fasting and gloom. We are to rejoice in God's wonderful works. We're not talking about a day of oppressive rules and regulations. But just because some make it into a day of fasting and gloom does not mean that we're not to remember the day. The Lord commands us to remember it and to keep it holy, not to profane it, not to make it into an ordinary day. But we want to cut corners. You know the kind of things we say. We say, but we have liberty about this matter. Yet the Lord says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He has told us what to do in his law of liberty. Observing what God has told us to do is not to deny Christian liberty. When we don't murder people and hate people, when we don't commit adultery, we're not in bondage. We're actually set free from those sins. And Sabbath breaking is a sin. We say, well, yes, but I will keep a part of the day but it is too much to keep the entire day. One says, I have to study. I'm a busy student. Another says, I have a ball game and we're in the playoffs. Yet another, I have things that I need to do in my business. I can't compete if I don't do a bit on the on Sunday afternoon at least. But the Lord did not set apart a portion of the seventh day. 
He set apart the seventh day, the entire day, every each seventh day. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. That is what he requires of us. We should not complain about this. We should rather be thankful and rejoice that our gracious God has blessed the entire day, that we may spend it with him. We need to learn to rejoice in the day. Again, God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And what are we called to do? We're called to do it cheerfully. It dishonors him when we have to be dragged to remember his day. Marvelous works that he has done as our creator and redeemer. Why should that be looked at as a burden to us? Why should it be a burden to us to sit at his feet and to learn more of what he has done, to delight in what he has done, to speak to others of what he has done, to rejoice in their fellowship and company as his people? Our reluctance to remember the Sabbath day reveals that the rebellion that remains deeply rooted in our hearts. The truth of the matter is that we resent being told what to do with our time. We think, my time belongs to me. I can do whatever I want with my time. Nobody can tell me what to do with my time. But the Lord says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. He tells you exactly what to do with your time. This same rebellion shows up in other ways. We say, it's my body. Nobody can tell me what to do with my body. But the Lord tells you that you're not to commit adultery with your body. You are not to sleep with someone that you're not married to. He says that you're not your own, that you have been bought with a price. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to him. And he says he will judge fornicators and adulterers. We say, it's my money. Nobody can tell me how to spend it. But the Lord tells you to give a tenth to the church and to be generous and ready to share with those who have need. You say, but no, a tenth is too much. I'll give, but I'll give the amount that I want. I can't afford that much. We need to see how incredibly disrespectful this kind of attitude is to our God. God is the Lord. He is our God and our Lord and our Redeemer. He is the one who says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, a thing which we should have been doing all along. Who are we to say, but no, I will only keep a part of the day. Or no, I'll remember except when it is not convenient for me, and then I won't remember it. Do you see how defiant that is? Try that with your employer. He tells you to come to work 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, and you say, no, but I will come whenever I want. You can't tell me what to do with my time. Or try saying that to the tax man. Does your employer and the tax man carry more authority to you than, than God Almighty? The problem, this problem all began with the fall. God said, do not eat from this tree or you will die. And the serpent said, did God tell you not to eat from that tree? It will make you wise if you eat from it. You will be like God if you eat from it. You will be the one who decides what you're going to do instead of God telling you what to do. And he gave it to our first parents and they ate. That was when their willfulness toward God all got started. And we did die 
spiritually, right then and there, we were alienated from God. We became dead in our trespasses and sins, condemned to eternity in hell. We became dreadfully detached from our Maker. We fell under His judicial wrath and curse and were cut off from Him. This is the same rebellion that causes us to resent it when God says to us, Remember this day. Or when God says, No sex outside of marriage. This rebellion in you is what makes you bristle up because you still, even after you're redeemed, have that remaining corruption that is in you. It's a shameful thing that we have it. We have lost the sense of beauty, the beauty of obedience and submission. The words obey and submit are ugly words to us. In our minds, they speak of oppression and abuse of people taking advantage of us. And indeed, in this wicked world, where the people we submit to and obey are not in submission to God, there is indeed much selfishness and abuse. We can hardly even conceive of a situation where absolute unconditional obedience and submission would enrich our character and bring us benefit, tremendous benefit, where the one we obey would actually be out for our best and where it would be good for us to follow him. Now, we can think of it in an illustration. If there's a child and their parent tells them, don't touch that, and the child, and it's a hot stove, and the child goes and touches it, they learn quite quickly that that was a good thing, that they were told not to touch that, that it was for their good. But we have a hard time translating that into our relationship with God, with things like keeping the Sabbath day. It's exactly how it is with our wise and gracious Creator and Redeemer, though. He tells us for our good. He does not oppress us or abuse us at all when we obey Him. He enriches us. He makes our lives better. It's a lie that Satan told us and that we still believe too much. That we will be oppressed if if we do what God says. Satan is wrong. We come to the fullness of what it means to be a human being when we fully submit to our Creator. It doesn't ruin us. It doesn't destroy our personality or our individuality. It brings out the fullness of who we were created to be. Our lives would be absolutely beautiful if we were to fully submit ourselves to the Lord. That is what we will do in heaven. And that is what will make heaven to be heaven. That is what Jesus did when he became a man. How lovely he was. He was the fairest of 10,000. And never did he in the least way disobey God. Imagine a place where everyone had love for others like his love. That is what heaven will be. So what does this mean for us about the Sabbath now is those who have been redeemed? Well, it means that we need to start submitting to God unconditionally about keeping it. He redeems us and then tells us to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We need to do just that. We need to put away all our doubts and all our excuses and give ourselves completely to our Creator to do His will in all things. We need to start keeping one day in seven as a holy Sabbath to Him without reneging and without fudging. Now, we're going to see that, of course, he gave us some exceptions for reasons of mercy and necessity, and that though he, he's very 
understanding of us and of our, our needs that sometimes we would have to do things on the Sabbath day. We'll get into that later. But we must stop thinking that the things that we have to give up are so important. Our Creator knows what we need, and what we need is one whole day in seven to be a holy Sabbath to Him. He has blessed the whole day for us. If we keep it, we will experience His blessing the whole day. And perhaps even more importantly, we will be recognizing and honoring His proper place in our lives as our God. Now, of course, we will come short in our obedience. Some people use that, it's kind of a funny thing, as an excuse in particular for not keeping the Sabbath, <laughs> for to ignore rather than to remember the Sabbath. But that's foolish. We come short in all of God's commandments. You don't say, oh, well, it's hard to keep, so therefore I don't think we have to keep it. That's not, that's not the way it works. We, we don't say, well, I continue to struggle with lust, so I might as well just not bother with the seventh commandment. It's, it's just too hard for me. It's like I keep struggling with it, fighting with it. I'm just, I can't do it. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. <laughs> that's why we come to Jesus in the first place. In fact, if in fact you have come to Jesus, you come to him for the forgiveness of your sins. And you come to him that you might be reconciled to God. And you come to him that you might henceforth live for God. Don't hold back on living the new life. Of course you come short. He redeemed you, though, to give you the new life. He has spoken to us as his redeemed people. And one of the things that he has told us is to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. So you see, this has been a very simple message. What have I said to you today? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's what God requires of you in the fourth commandment. It's not hard to understand. Now, if only we might do it. Please stand and let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, how we need your help to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Father, we want to remember it in the right way. We want the Sabbath to be a delight to us. We want it to be a day that we look forward to when we get to come into your courts, when we get to focus on your word, when we get to seek you in prayer, when we get to commune with one another and build one another up in the faith and encourage each other. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us, Lord, that we would reorder our lives if we are not keeping the Sabbath. Father, that we would order them even around the Sabbath, that we would plan our days so that we would be able to, to have that day set apart. Lord, if you had only given us six days in the week altogether, then we would only be able to do what work we could do on those six days. And that is what you have given us because the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord our God. And we pray, Lord, that we would then order our affairs so that we can get everything done on the other six days, and then we may have the, the holy day of rest, that we may remember you and worship you as our God and Creator. Father, we pray that as we do that, that we would indeed experience the blessing that you have put in the day for us. Father, that we would begin to, 
to grow in our walk with you and our knowledge of you and our comfort of your salvation in our assurance of salvation. Father, that our lives would change so that, so that we would be living together with our spouse and with our children and with our, our acquaintances and our friends in a, in a godly and a holy way. Oh, Father, please help us, we pray, Lord. Teach us your ways and guide us, Lord, that we may, that we may walk in the light of the truth. Father, we pray that you would bless us on the rest of this Lord's Day that you would help us to honor you in it and to delight in all that you have done as our creator and our redeemer and to point one another to you. Father, help us even to transform our conversation to be centered around the things of the Lord on this day. We pray that you would help us, Lord, in the future lessons that we have as we continue on in this sermon series, that we may learn how we may honor you on your day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen to delight in it. So receive now the blessing of the Lord our God. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.